Amen. This is a very familiar psalm. We're going to read uh, a portion of this together, and then I'll let you be seated and kind of work our way down through this tonight. Psalms chapter 34, and if you were there, say amen. amen. If you don't have a Bible tonight, we'll have it on the screen, and you can join us in reading there. The psalmist David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his trouble. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Praise the Lord. This is one of my favorite psalm chapters. I pray it a lot. I talk about it a lot. But it's been a long time since I've preached about it. And uh, tonight I want to work through some of this with you. And I'm going to preach to you from what may sound uh, interesting in the beginning. But we're going to connect some dots. And I want to preach to you tonight about crazy praise crazy praise look at your neighbor tonight and ask him are you crazy and please don't answer for them okay praise God may the Lord richly bless you and you may be seated tonight again to all of our guests that are here thank you for worshiping the Lord with us we are honored to have you tonight I'm just going to tell you from the get-go this evening, if you are visiting here for the first time, if you've never been here before, you are not in a dead church. And there's a really good chance that while I'm preaching tonight, somebody may just stand up on their feet and shout hallelujah. There's a real good chance while I'm preaching tonight, somebody close to you may shout amen. There's a real good chance that before I'm through tonight, somebody may get out in the aisle and dance a jig. There's a good chance somebody may feel a little victory and take off running around the church. You just never know what's going to happen Sunday night at First Pentecostal Church. But I believe God is in this house tonight. Amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise God. Psalm, the 34th chapter. Is so powerful, it, it often brings us together in a time of praise and worship unto the Lord in an atmosphere just like this. Because David begins it out by saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. But by the third verse, he said, this feels so good. I need to include somebody else in the equation. 
And he invites somebody to come into the equation when he says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. There is something that shifts in the dynamic of a room, in the atmosphere of a room, when you begin to give God praise for yourself. But before too long, that jumps off on somebody else. And you can't contain yourself. And you go from blessing the Lord with your mouth. I want to tell you right now, if you see anybody in the house that looks a little dead, a little quiet, like they hadn't quite got their breakthrough, it may do you good to go stand by them and begin to bless the Lord with your mouth because breakthrough is contagious. When you're blessing the Lord and somebody knows you've been to hell and back, you've walked through some high waters, but you've still got a praise in your mouth and let somebody else know it doesn't matter what you're going through. You can make it. I feel like telling somebody tonight that feels like you're at the end of your rope. You feel like you've done everything you can to hold on. If you want to change that thing, lift your voice and declare, I will bless the Lord at all times. Hallelujah. You can be seated or you can stand whatever your good pleasure Whichever one you're doing, I hope you won't do either one for very long. Praise God. I will bless the Lord at all times. This is easier to preach than it is to live. All times. This is going to sound like rhetoric, rhetorical. When I say this to you tonight, because some are just going to say, well, that's Pentecostal rhetoric. You don't understand how powerful it is to bless the Lord at all times. On Sunday night, it's easy to bless the Lord because everybody else is here and you've got a band and a choir and a praise team and you've got all that together. But sometimes on Monday morning when you wake up, And you know you're about to go to work and fight some devils that you got relief from for the weekend. The first thing you want to do is open up your mouth and say, I don't want to go to work. I'm sick of this job. But David said, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. He said, I'm not going to give glory to anything but to God right now. I'm going to bless him when I feel like it. I'm going to bless him when I don't feel like it. But nevertheless, notwithstanding, I will bless him. What a blessing. Now, let's kind of work through this a little bit here now. There's an interesting thing that happens in the book of Psalms. I'll tell you, first of all, that David gets blamed for a lot of Psalms that he didn't write. David was not the only psalmist, but he was a psalmist. And many of the Psalms that are recorded... They are recorded as written by David or whomever it would be. I have just a couple of Bibles that I own. And so uh, I like to pick up different Bibles while I'm studying and see what each Bible says. And if there's annotations and little things in there. But at the, at the top of most Bibles, 
you'll see in the Psalms, it'll say this is a Psalm of David, or it'll say this is a, a praise uh, for God's goodness. It'll say this is a, a Psalm of whomever, whenever. But Psalm 34 is quoted and preached a lot. But I'm not really sure that everybody understands where Psalm 34 came from. There's a little annotation above the chapter in most of your Bibles. Mine says Psalm 34 is a psalm, a song of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed. Now, just hang with me right here. Let's talk about Abimelech. Let's talk a little bit about this. Who is Abimelech? How can we draw this together? The only time that we really see scriptural reference of David changing his behavior, it takes a little work to chase this down, but you'll find it in Psalms, or I'm sorry, in 1 Samuel chapter 21. Now, don't let there be confusion because Psalm, uh, 1 Samuel rather 21 opens up with David talking to Ahimelech, not Abimelech. Ahimelech is the priest. Whatever happened to like Joe, Danny? You understand what I'm saying? I mean, what, whatever happened to Jesse? Michael. We've got Abimelech and Ahimelech. I believe I'd have whooped my mother when I got old enough. I mean, what do you call them for short? I mean, you going to call your kid Hemi? Bimmy? What is Abimelech? Who is Abimelech? What's all this about? David is on the run from Saul. Saul's just got pretty serious about this. It's in chapter 17 that David destroys Goliath. David comes back into the city, and the women of the city are singing a song that says, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. Well, that kind of disrupts the flow of Saul. It's like this morning I was preaching to you. Saul kind of felt like he was a big deal. And when he came into the city and heard the women of the city singing that David had slain his 10,000, Saul didn't like that very well. And he was going to have to give David uh, his daughter, Michal. And uh, David knit his heart together with Saul's son by the name of Jonathan. Now, there's some different things we could talk about there, but let's just deal with the focus at hand. The Bible said that Saul literally just purposed in his heart that he was frustrated, he was sick of it, he was tired of David being blessed, he was tired of David getting glory and all of these things, and so he just purposed in his heart, I'm going to kill that little ruddy rascal. I'm going, I'm going to kill him. So one night, he's sitting at the table, I'm giving you the short version and fast forward, he's sitting at the table after he's thrown javelins at, at David and threatened his life and all that, and he's sitting at the dinner table with Jonathan, and the place where David usually sat was empty. And Saul said, where's David? Jonathan said, well, he's not here. Well, that made Saul mad. He said, I will kill this Bethlehemite. I'm going to, I'm going to kill him. And Jonathan said... What has he done? Well, that made Saul mad. And the Bible said that then Saul slung a javelin at his own boy. And if you read the language of the scripture, it's like Jonathan right there said, Whoa, this is pretty serious. 
My dad just threw a javelin at me and tried to kill me because he didn't want me asking what this is all about. So Jonathan goes and gets his lad, a little servant boy, and he tells him to shoot arrows. I don't know if you've read this. I don't have time to preach. You can go back and read it between 17 and 21. You'll find all this narrative unfold. And he shoots, and he said, the arrows are beyond thee. And the little boy goes, well, what this really is is a sign to David that it's time. This is code language to David. It's time for you to come out of hiding and just get out of here. You are way too close to the house right now. You're within an arrow's reach. And my dad is after you. He's wanting to tear you apart. He's wanting to kill you. The Bible said that David came out of hiding and he ran to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech the priest had some bread for him. Now, there's different ideas on what, what really happens in this chapter, at least perspective of what happened. We, we can see pretty clearly what happened. He goes in, gets some bread from Ahimelech, and he said, do you have a sword? And Ahimelech said, actually, I do have a sword. And it's a sword that you're familiar with, David. He said, back here, uh, wrapped up in the ephod, the priestly garment, there is a sword that you have held in your hand before. David said, I am afraid and I need the sword. So Ahimelech takes him back here to the ephod where the outfit, the garment of the priest is. And there he reveals to him the sword that David used to cut off the head of Goliath. Now you could say a lot about this. There's a lot of people that think David was being deceptive to Ahimelech. I'm not real sure that that's the way I feel. However... I want to get through this part and I want to tell you tonight that I really do feel like that there is a principle underlying in this story that we cannot neglect and we cannot forget. When David came to Ahimelech the priest and he said, I am tired and I'm scared and I'm, I'm being pursued by Saul, I need a sword. Ahimelech takes him to the back room where the priestly garment is stored and he says to him, David, the sword from a previous victory in your life is hiding in the ephod. David, I want to remind you that God was with you when you took out Goliath. And God will be with you when you take out Saul. Every now and then you just need to be reminded. He is not just a God of your victory from yesterday. He is a God that's with you right now. Shanda Lobo says to him he said let's go in here and let's get Goliath's sword so what this immediately speaks to David immediately is that the God of yesterday's victory will be the God that walks with me today because you can say whatever you want to say and believe whatever you want to believe I believe that David was pretty daggum good with a sling But I don't believe it was David's mastery and skill that directed the stone to the head of Goliath. He was good. He was good enough that if Goliath stood still, he probably could have pelted him a few times. But you have to understand 
the divine order of what took place. It was a miracle that caused Goliath to fall down. I believe that when David released that stone, that the angel of the Lord came down and took that stone and boom, hit it right where it needed to go. I'm telling you tonight that there are battles. If you let God fight them for you and go before you, his power and his spirit will by far be more accurate than you could ever be. You may have slew a lion and a bear, but this is a brand new giant. This is something you've never had to fight before. But I want to remind you tonight that if God be for you, David, come in here and get this sword. If God be for you, who can be against you? My, my, my. So David knocks Goliath down with the, with the stone. He falls to his face. And then David walks up and takes the sword of Goliath and he finishes the job. Somebody say, finished. He finished the job. So when Ahimelech gives him the sword, he is giving giving him the finished work. You ain't hearing me. He hands him a finished work. And he says to him, in theory, understand this, David. He is not just the author of your faith. He is the finisher of your faith. He is not just a God that's there when the stones are flying. He is a God that's there when the thing is being finished. Oh, somebody help me right here now. He's a finisher. He's a finisher. So, he takes the sword of Goliath and he takes it out of the ephod. But the scripture tells us that one of Saul's servants, his name was Doeg. There will not be a pop quiz on this name. Ahimelech, Abimelech, Doeg. Come on, somebody. David's a lot easier. His name was Doeg. Doeg is a servant of Saul who is trying to kill David. And Doeg sees that David has gone to Ahimelech and that he has a sword. And David knows that as soon as Doeg sees him that he's got to get out of Dodge. So he goes to Gath. This is so insane. Goliath the Philistine. I'm going to try to fill in blanks in a hurry. I can't keep you all night. Goliath the Philistine that David just destroyed four chapters previous to this is from Gath. So David comes running into Gath. Do you not think these people know who he is? Just, he just killed their champion. And so David comes running into Gath. I think I'll go hang out in Gath. It's better for me to be here than it is to keep running from Saul. 
I've already defeated their champion. So I'll go here. When he walks in, the scripture tells us that the men of Gath spotted David and said, Is this not David? Is this not the one that destroyed our champion? And so they take David. You don't really see this whole picture until you, until you start putting things together. So they take David and they bind him up and they take him before the king of the Philistines in Gath. His name is Achish. Okay? No pop quiz. Fixing to connect some dots for you. Abimelech is a kingly name. Just like Pharaoh. Just like Herod. Abimelech was a kingly name of the kings of the Philistines. And this particular king, Achish, is also known as Abimelech. Because he is a king of the Philistines. So when we start connecting dots to understand... That Psalm 34 was written when David changed his behavior in front of Abimelech. We understand that we can interpret this. It was written when David changed his behavior in front of Achish. Okay? Everybody with me? Everybody understand? Now, in Psalms chapter 56. This is so cool. Look in your little notes if you got them in your Bible. In Psalms 56, there is a psalm about distress. And at the beginning of this psalm, it says to the chief musician, upon Jonathan Elam Rekokim, Miktam of David, when the Philistines took him in Gath. Okay? So David is running from Saul. He's in Gath. The Philistines take him before Achish, Abimelech. And David is being held in a prison in front of Abimelech. And David sits down with a pen in his hand and he says, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Psalms 56 and 2. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up. For they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee, O my God. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what the flesh can do unto me. Every day they rest my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Go to verse 9. When I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know. For God... 
I know this because God is absolutely, positively for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid of what man can do for me. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praise unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of the living. David said I may be in gath and locked up and nowhere to go. But there's power in in my mouth and I choose to lift up my voice and declare that I will trust you because you're for me I have put my trust in you I have put my trust in you David didn't write this sitting by a beautiful little brook David didn't write this with his beautiful little uh uh, what's that thing called he played his harp he doesn't write this while he's playing his harp this is not a song that he sings because all is well this is a song that he sings because it doesn't matter where he's at it doesn't matter what he's facing. It doesn't matter what he's going through. It doesn't matter what they're going to do to him. He said, Lord, I have put my trust in you, and I have put my trust in your word, and they cannot harm me in the flesh because you are for me. There was a little revelation that David had right here. This may be the end of my life, but it does not matter if they destroy me with the sword. If Abimelech thrust it through my soul, I will wake up somewhere beyond Gath. I'm going to wake up in the presence. I may be put to death in the presence of an earthly king, but I'm going to wake up in the presence of my heavenly king. I'm declaring to you tonight, it doesn't matter what the enemy threatens to do to you. I want to remind you, God is for you. Go ahead and shout it. If God be for us, God is for us. Hmm. Man, I wish I had time to stay there for just a few minutes. God is for me. So David, David is now standing in Gath before Achish or Abimelech. He's in a prison, but he's got revelation. They really can't harm me. God is for me. I put my trust in his word. And I don't need evidence to know that God is good. This is the power of that Psalm 56. This is a psalm that was not written because of evidence. It was written because of truth. Maybe you missed what I just said. I said the praise did not come from his mouth because of evidence. It came from his mouth because of truth. Some of you are fussing with the evidence tonight, but you need to come to grips with the truth that the evidence is going to change. But the facts, 
are that even in the midst of hell on earth, there is a little bit of heaven that can come down where you are. Let me stay right there for just a second. I want to break through this thing right here. Some of you are cursing the furnace. But you understand me when I tell you tonight that the reward for the three Hebrew boys was not the fiery furnace. That was not their reward. It was a byproduct of their obedience. But you hear this preacher when I tell you tonight that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego If they don't go through the fire, then the fourth man is never revealed. Oh, God, I wish I had time to preach that right there. How many many did you put in the furnace? Uh, Three? That's that's what what you told us to put in there. Well, um, there's a fourth man in there. Where did he come from? He was in there before the boys ever went in. But his presence was not revealed until their ability to trust. Oh, God. Until their ability to trust him was greater than their fear of the fire. When you're able to overcome the fear of what the enemy will do to you, you're going to realize you will never walk through fire alone. Oh, mama. my opinion my opinion it's all it is whatever that's worth it's my opinion I'm going to tell you what I believe I believed I believe that when those three boys walked into that furnace that he was the greeting committee I don't believe that they walked into the furnace and then he just showed up but I believe that when they opened the gate of the furnace they said "All right, boys Their head was hanging because this is not how they wanted it to end. But before they walked in, they said, we're not going to be quick to answer you in this matter. Because our God is able to deliver us. But if not, our God is able to deliver. Oh, God. Bishop, I believe That heaven is looking down. God is looking down from the balcony of heaven. He said, all right, boys, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? And he's listening. Our God is able to deliver us. Oh, yeah. But if not, we will not bow. And he looks around at the angels and said, did you hear that? They made up their mind before they ever got in the fire. And I believe that's when he said, here I come. I'm going to wrap myself up as a son of man. And he jumps from the balcony of heaven down into that fiery furnace. And when the boys walked in, he said, did you think that I was going to let did you think I was going to let you walk in here and not manifest my glory and not manifest my power? I've been waiting on you. 
what the enemy thought was going to defeat them became the dwelling place of the glory of God. Don't be hating on the furnace and don't be hating on the prison. It's a place for his glory to be made manifest. He had never been more near to them boys than he was when they were in the furnace. And he had never been more near to David than he was when he was in Gath. Church family, you hear me tonight and let it be clear. The reality of the presence of God will never be more clear and evident in your life than it is when you're out of options. I'm saying to you, he likes to work. I, somebody just said, I heard somebody just say it. Y'all are preaching back at me right now. God likes to work. My back's against the wall. What am I going to do? I don't know. What do you think you can do? I have put my trust in you, oh God. And whatever they're going to do to me cannot harm me. Because I put my trust in your word. How you doing, baby? I'm standing right here with you. Just come up here close to me and know. It may feel like prison, but my presence just got real up in here. is the will of God the prison is the will of God Lord Jesus be seated stand up whatever you feel I'm getting close I'm just laying my foundation for my introduction I'll preach in just a minute stay with me He tells the Lord, I put my trust in your word. And his faith becomes evident. Not while running towards Gath. But once he arrives in Gath. And he is captured by an enemy. That he felt like he had already defeated. Oh my Lord, I'm trying to preach. And so the Bible said that David is now in Gath before Achish, Abimelech. He is standing before him. <laughs> and the servants, verse 11 of chapter 21, 1 Samuel 21, verse number 11. I'm going to stay in here so you, so you can see this for yourself. The servants of Achish said unto him, is not this David the king of the land? 
Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul is slain his thousands, David is ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. He said, they recognize me. They know who I am. Verse 13. Folks, listen to me. You can't see timing in verses. But Bishop, I believe that Psalms 56 was probably written in the season between verse 12 and verse 13. Because in verse 12, he's recognized. In verse 13, he changes his behavior. Man, I wish I could convey this tonight. Verse 13, he changed his behavior before them. And he feigned himself mad in their hands. Here's the English version. He acted like a neurotic nut. He starts scraping the doors of the gate. Somebody shout, he's crazy. He let spittle. Run down his beard. Crazy. Verse 14. Then Abimelech said to his servants, This dude is crazy. Why in the world... Did you bring this sucker to me? Verse 15. Do I need any more crazies around here? Why'd you bring this crazy to play the madman in my presence? Should I even allow him to come into my house? Verse 16. Is that it? All right. Here we go. David therefore departed and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Oh boy. Verse 12. This is David, king of the land. Verse 13. Something happens. And he is inspired with an exit strategy. And the Lord says to David, just act crazy. What will they think of me, Lord? What if they talk bad about me, Lord? What if they make fun of me, Lord? What if they say I'm crazy, Lord? Something inspired David in captivity. It said just act. Crazy. 
And the king looks at his craziness and says, I don't understand it, and I don't want him around here. And the Bible said they released David, and he heads to Adullam. And I believe that when he walked into Adullam, he sat down with a pen and a parchment, and he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. I don't have time to go through all this. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continue to be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof. And be glad, O magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Read the entire chapter. And you're going to find praise after praise after praise. But let me tell you what you're not going to find. You're not going to find a Bibelac. You're not going to find a mention of the trouble. You're not going to find a mention of the test. Because David refuses to live in the past. He refuses to live in what God has already brought him through. When David came out, he said, I'm out. And I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. And his praise. Somebody shout crazy praise. David. Look, y'all, I read it. I read it. You read what I read? You saw it. He changed his behavior. And he danced, acting goofy, scratching the walls, foaming at the mouth. I want to tell you right now, this is not as strange a behavior as you may think it is. Because this same man, in another period of his life, is on his way back to Jerusalem with the, <laughs> with the glory of God. And his wife is sitting up in the window. Who in the world is that? That dude is crazy. I'm finna tell on myself. I was in here the other day, and I was praying. This is not a strange thing, but sometimes while I'm in here praying by myself, I'll dance before the Lord. I'll jump and leap and shout. I don't do it because music's playing. I just do it because it's what we do. I've been in here before, and I'll just dance my way around. I've ran the aisles in here when there's nobody in here. I just praise and give God praise and shout and lift my voice and scream and yell, hallelujah. I don't always do that, but I'm saying when I feel it, I do it. I was standing right over there the other day against that pillar. And I felt the Holy Ghost say to me, dance before the Lord with all your might. Okay, so I'm just, I'm going to tell myself. So I just stepped out from the wall and I'm like, how long I got to do this? And I heard the Lord say, you didn't hear me. What? He said, I said, dance before the Lord with all your might. I was like, like how much might? I mean, like, right now that feels like a lot. He said, if you are not dancing before me right now enough that if somebody walked in here, they didn't think you were crazy, then you're not dancing before the Lord with all your might. 
I'm telling you, it's been to hit somebody up in here right now. Rebo Shanda Bahaya. He said, David danced before me in such a way that his wife criticized him and called him crazy. He said, there's nobody here to criticize you but yourself. So I want you to step out right now and dance like you think David danced. And all of a sudden, I started hearing that song. And I felt the Holy Ghost say, you're a hypocrite. When the Spirit of the Lord moves upon my heart, I will dance like David dance. Come on, we've all seen the Maranatha giddy up. Look like sweating to the oldies with Richard Simmons. We've seen it. When the Spirit of the Lord moves upon me. Tell y'all right now, I don't want to see nobody with your clothes off. But David danced with all his might until the ephod that he was wearing couldn't hang on. Now, y'all don't remember these kind of people, but I'm gonna tell you, I was raised a little different. I was raised with them old helicopter dancers that you had to get the whole youth group and move them out of the way. Because old brother Billy get to spinning somewhere over there. And he go all the way across the front of the church. Never did open up his eyes. And I was a boy. We'd go preach in a little old town in Arkansas. There's a, a great, great little church that we used to preach for. And they had a guy in their church that used to be uh, in the circus or something. He was, a, he was an acrobat. And my dad get to preaching. And that sucker, he'd start at the back of the church. All, they had like our old sanctuary, two sets of pews. He'd go to the back door, and he'd come right down the middle aisle doing back handsprings. Boom, 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 boom. And he'd get, I'm not going to do one. He'd do, a, uh, he'd do a back handspring, and he'd get to the front of the church, and he'd dance just like that. He, he didn't he? He'd prop up on his leg like that, and then he'd run to the other side of the church, and he'd start at this wall, and he'd go all the way across to the other side. And I want to tell you all something. Not one time did he ever care about anybody that was laughing, about kids that were snickering, because his dance wasn't about us. David said, I'm not dancing because of you, Michael. I'm dancing because of him. I'm dancing because he brought me out of a terrible pit. I'm dancing because he brought me out of Gath. I'm dancing because he brought me out of the hands of the Philistines. I'm dancing because of the sword that was hidden in the ephod. I'm dancing because I'm crazy. y'all look like you're just hanging out. you like one of the people can't dance in the nightclub. I'll tell you right now. I'm not worried about your clothes falling off. I'm going to tell you what will happen. If you'll dance before the Lord with all your might, Paul and Silas said, your chains will fall off. 
Let me point out the obvious to you. Paul and Silas were in prison, locked up in chains. Hands in fetters, feet in chains, fetters. The Bible said they began to sing and praise God. When the clock rolled midnight hour, and it does not say that they waited for the chains to fall off first. There is divine order in your crazy praise. It said that they began to give God praise and sing a song of Zion. And their chains fell off. They didn't wait for God to bring them out. They lifted their voice essentially saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. Crazy praise. Crazy because the world said, you're nuts. You're still bound up. You're still messed up. God had not fixed it yet. Your family's still a wreck. Your kids are still lost. Your husband not saved. You're crazy, but I'm going to praise him anyway. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to bless him. I'm going to bless him not because I feel like it. Not because I'm healed yet. But because he's able. Not because I'm free yet, but because I'm going to be before I leave here tonight. When I think about Jesus, what he's done for me, when I think about Jesus and how he set me free. Lord, I can dance. I can shout, I can lift my voice, I'll run the aisle, I'll get out and leap if I have to, I'll holler if I have to, I'll dance, I'll get him crazy, pray. They say you're crazy, but I'm going to give him crazy praise, I'm going to give him crazy praise. I'm gonna lift him up.